Oh boy. <laughs> you know, I was going to sarcastically ask if I should ask why you're so excited, but since we're just starting the show, I'll hold back on the cynicism and instead ask, Hey, what's got you so excited, wholesome? You know, heathen. You got me a Christmas present. I did? Oh, don't be coy. I've been thinking about this gift for two weeks. You mean, um, like my presents? Yes, that's exactly it. Is this going to turn into a Mariah Carey song? All you wanted for Christmas was me? What? Never. No, I I, I mean this episode. Oh, well. You don't have to say never. You don't have to be that mean. <laughs> well, you, you caved and you're letting me do a Taoism episode as a Christmas gift to me. Oh, that, right. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was more of a barter deal and I got two episodes, so I won, but I guess that... I mean, you, you, you say something? No, nothing at all. Oh, would you look at that? It's the theme song. <laughs> don't be Aristotle by your Plato knowledge, cause we got a game I like. We'll Vinny, Vitty, Vici, and Mustachio, Nietzsche, and we'll never miss the marks, cause I'm awesome, he's heathen, and this is our podcast show. Oh man, I am so excited. I've been reading up on some Eastern philosophy so I could speak intelligently with you this time as we dive deep into this episode. And I am most certainly prepared for that and have no need to stall, but let's Oz pay on the Osophy Filet. Are those words? <laughs> I was I was trying to say it in Pig Latin to be coy or something, but I've never been good at that. At Pig Latin or at being coy? Anyway, let's go ahead and <laughs> why don't you tell the audience what this show is all about? Oh, right, yeah. Uh, this super cool heathen guy over here teaches me about new philosophy ideas and terms. And this super cool and very enthusiastic wholesome guy relates these topics to pop culture so they become more approachable and less nerdy. And that topic for today is... Oh, right. The Lego Movie. <laughs> yes, it is. You know what? I I gotta say this begrudgingly, but I say it nonetheless. I thought it would be another dumb kids movie, but I actually enjoyed it. It's still a kids movie, but it's a fun one. You did? Even though there wasn't a single alcoholic beverage present in the whole film. <laughs> actually. <laughs> the whole plot kicks off when the main character doesn't go to the bar with his coworkers. So... There's a great lesson already, and the sauce box is checked. The sauce box? Like marinara sauce? You know, the hooch. Alfredo sauce. No, the juice. Orange juice. More like liquid bread. Orange juice? The suds, you know, fire water, the hard stuff. Okay, you know way too many terms for alcoholic beverages. <laughs> anyway, watching the Lego movie was like watching... The Flash with ADD, and he's playing with Legos. Absolutely manic. You want to start the audience with the rundown? Sure. All right. Uh, the movie begins with Vitruvius, voiced by the amazing Morgan Freeman, battling against the dastardly Lord Business. Lord Business is battling Vitruvius for the Craggle, an ancient superweapon with the power to destroy the Lego world. Vitruvius is blinded in the battle, and Lord Business obtains the Craggle. But Vitruvius prophecies that a being called the Special will stop Lord Business. 
An early sign of this movie being more intelligent than it lets on, Vitruvius was an ancient Roman architect actually, and he wrote De Architectura, the world's first architecture book. Hey, that's pretty smart. All right. Flash forward eight and a half years and an absolutely average Lego construction worker guy named Emmett is living his painfully average, absurdly homogenous life. He gets dressed, <laughs> works out, bathes, buys coffee, and goes to work. Ooh, very overpriced coffee. <laughs> yes, very overpriced coffee. All per the instructions provided to him. And though this sounds soul-wrenching, he absolutely loves it. He is, however, pretty unaware of his complete lack of social dweebness. Or rather, he is a complete social dweeb. <laughs> he has no one to spend his little Lego life with. And his fellow Legos aren't really all that interested in developing any sort of meaningful relationship with him. In a land of identical pieces, he is even more identical than the rest. Completely unknown. Mm -hmm. Until, after dropping his instructions after work, he watches a mysterious stranger slip into the construction site. This hooded figure is revealed to be a beautiful Lego woman. <laughs> Weird that you think Legos are hot. It's Emmett's perspective, man. Don't project this on me. I've got to say, though, the way they did the classic slow-mo introductory hair wave, but with Legos, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> now who thinks Legos are hot? <laughs> anyway, he follows her, stumbles down a hole, and touches a red object that gives him trippy visions. He wakes up surrounded by President Business's task force, and after some shenanigans, escapes with the Lady Lego wild style. We discover that present business is trying to freeze the world in place with the power of the craggle, which is actually just a crazy glue bottle, but it's old and some of the letters are worn off, so craggle is what's left. And after Emmett's escape, Wildstyle informs him that the prophecy is in motion, and that because he touched the red object known as the piece of resistance, he must be the special. The most unique, amazing, and talented person in the known LEGO universe. Emmett realizes this must be a mistake because he's the most generic Lego ever, but he <laughs> rolls with it. <laughs> ha, rolls with it, you know, because he literally uses his head as a wheel in a daring escape. <laughs> uh, Emmett and company had met up with Vitruvius, the Morgan Freeman character from the beginning of the movie. He examined Emmett's mind and found it ridiculously empty. Virtually no activity. Time hack, uh, where are we at this point in the movie? Like... 15 minutes in. <laughs> Holy moly, this movie is nonstop. So, President Business's task force chases them shortly after, and during their escape, they are rescued by Lego Batman. <laughs> he reveals he's part of a league of master builders who are the greatest Lego experts at constructing stuff from, you guessed it, Legos. There's <laughs> Lego Superman and Lego Dumbledore and Lego Michelangelo the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and Lego Michelangelo the Artist <laughs> and Lego Shaquille O'Neal and just a whole bunch of others. It's quite the motley crew. And using their unique skills, they work together to fight against President Business. During the infiltration and battle, all the pieces are captured and President Business begins enacting his plan. Emmett escapes out the window and falls into an abyss that leads him, check this, into the real world. Bom, bom, bom. The whole <laughs> Lego world felt like a child smashing Legos together because that's exactly what it was. What a great twist for a kid's movie. 
Yeah, true that. More, we discover that President Business is a Lego representation of this kid's dad, and that the dad won't let his son play with the well-structured Lego worlds that he created and is planning on gluing the pieces together to keep everything perfect, or at least what he thinks is perfect. Confusingly, while real human dad is fixing some Lego pieces near the toy Emmett, Emmett starts to rattle and shake off the table in the real world. This uh, It's kind of like the whole Toy Story thing where they don't really move around people, but uh, mm. it, it doesn't make exact sense and uh, raises some questions, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that, that it does. The kid sends Emmett back into the Lego world through the portal he came through, and Emmett tries to stop the Lego villains. In the end, however, it's a conversation between that dad and child... That saves the Lego world. Ah, so wholesome. Mm -hmm. The child explains to his dad that just because these pieces aren't ordered in exactly the correct fashion according to the instruction manual, they can still be beautiful and creative. The kid tells his dad that his dad is the most special person to ever exist, and that he himself, the kid, is too, and that everyone is. (sighs) Very, very stereotypically heartwarming, but it doesn't make any sense. If everyone is special, then the word special loses all meaning. Oh, come on, grouchy dad. It's Lego magic. (laughs) So the dad agrees and begins to start playing with his son and the toys as if they're, you know, actual toys. Cue a sequel stinger where the kid's little sister invades the Lego world and bam, movie complete. Okay, I'm exhausted just hearing the synopsis from that movie. That's like four hours long. Nah, about an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, Talk about packing the house. Okay, cool. So we got to talk about the Lego movie. What a great episode. Uh, Hey, 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 now. We have not connected it to any actual philosophy yet. Nice try, Buster. (laughs) Fine, fine. Taoism it is then. All right. We talked about Taoism previously in season one, episode nine? Nine, yeah, spot on. Right, so... Taoism originated in China, ancient China, as both a religion and lifestyle philosophy roughly around like minus 600 or what you may call 6th <laughs> century CE. Coincidentally, this also happens to be the time most Western, clearly superior philosophies were taking form. Oh, clearly superior my butt. <laughs> Wholesome language. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. But but Eastern philosophies have value, too. I like them even more than them. their Western philosophies. Okay, you're right. They're special, too. But Eastern philosophies tend to be much more concerned with questions of how to live and spend a lot less time contemplating questions of why. And as we talk about them, you'll see that they provide great guidance on positive lifestyles but can have their own negative effects in terms of individuality and advancing new creative thought. Oh, so you're saying they tend to provide answers rather than ask questions. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And who needs that? That ruins the whole fun of it. (laughs) But speaking of providing answers, can you walk the audience through some more of the origins of Taoism as a review for us? It would be my honor, straight up. Taoism was created by ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. He has gone by many names, and even his very existence is a little suspect based on historical research. There likely was an individual who started this movement, and then others provided additional wisdom over the years under the same name. That's a pretty common thing with wise books from wise folks. I believe it. Taoism roughly translates to the way. It's a pretty confident title. Is that the same the way that Knuckles teaches about? Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog? 
That is way too esoteric a meme. I should have never told you about it. The way. But there's some big time wisdom in Taoism. Not not Sonic, that was weird. You'd be amazed at how many motivational cat posters are influenced by Taoism. <laughs> the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, Taoism. New beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. Those who know do not talk. Those who talk do not know. All that, Taoism. Right, so they're the uh, cat poster guys. Now, to be fair, Lao Tzu is not the only famous father of Taoism. The runner-up would be Chong Tzu. He's basically the punk rock version of Lao Tzu, and by extension, the better Taoist. <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. I want to know more about that guy. In due time, Wholesome. We need to know what Taoism is before we can talk offshoots. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? Is that another cat poster? Yeah, that's another Taoism quote, yes. <laughs> I, I, I guess I deserve that. Back to the tenets of Taoism. It's broken up into quite a few categories, most of which heathen would hate. These include cosmology. I like cosmology. Yeah, chi energy. Ugh. Ah, there we go. And the five elements. Ugh, no, no, come on. We're not talking Avatar The Last Airbender. There are way more than five elements, and this is total baloney. Please, let's, uh, let's stick to just the philosophy on living. Don't make me trudge through the other stuff. I am a merciful co-host. I shall spare you the spiritual discussion for this session. Ah, thank you deeply. All right, so... <laughs> Taoism tends to get simplified down into the idea of go with the flow, and the term for this is Wu Wei, and Bruce Lee talked about it in his martial arts teachings. In a, in a more modern context, it would be like, be like water, and that's actually the name of one of his later documentaries. Ah, many martial arts are rooted in Eastern culture, so it makes perfect sense some of these philosophies are tied up in those traditions as well. I remember seeing similar verbiage in my kung fu classes. You know kung fu? I know kung fu. <laughs> uh, this idea basically says that a positive way to live life is to stay open and fluid with life events. Rigidity is the source of anxiety and stress, so be flexible and let things take their course and happen naturally, and that'll lead to happiness and fulfillment. What's more, and where we start to see ties into the movie, is that this idea extends past life's events and into how you react to your own body and further, your own will. Taoism suggests that we all have a specific purpose, and that when we let ourselves move naturally into our purposes or specialties, that we can find fulfillment or flow. It's like that sports idea of being in the zone. When you do a sports, and you do that sports so good, then sometimes it's like the sporting is happening naturally, and you don't even have to think about it. And that's being in the zone. So you uh, play a lot of sports, do you? No, what makes you say that? <laughs> let, me, let me massage this statement a bit. If you think you can translate perfection, be my guest. This concept of being in the zone is equivalent to being in a state of flow in the traditional Taoist teaching. Time almost seems to slow down. Your reactivity is high and anxieties and worries are nearly thrown out the window. You could be a basketball player not getting caught up in the moment and uh, instead visualizing the play. You could be a martial artist calmly parrying a strike and fighting back. I mean, you could, you could even be the best at spreadsheets and you're spreading them better than anyone ever has. <laughs> I beg of you to never... 
ever say that again. <laughs> you have definitely ruined perfection. Where are my sunglasses? I need to put them on so I can tell you to hashtag deal with it. Did you actually just say hashtag This deal concept with- of flow ties into the movie <laughs> when the master builders are escaping Lord Business's forces in the middle of the middle of the movie somewhere. And Lego Batman shows himself to be flexible and able to adapt by changing his creations and vehicles on the fly. In these moments, he himself seems to be in a state of flow. In fact, all the master builders, including <laughs> characters such as Unikitty and Metalbeard and Benny the Astronaut <laughs> are particularly, they're all really adept in creating things their own way with their own flair. That's right. Batman keeps asking for all the black Lego pieces and Unikitty wants sparkly things. They're all experiencing their own flow, but they're not really working together. They end up getting in each other's way instead of working together harmoniously. And that ties into another opposing Eastern philosophy. You remember Confucius? Confuse who? Clearly you. Confucius, another Eastern philosopher whose teachings were becoming popular around the same time as Taoism and Buddhism were, uh, were gaining traction themselves. And as much as I'd love to rope Buddhism into this episode, that one doesn't quite apply here. But this movie definitely is a battle between Taoist and Confucian concepts. Ooh, tell me more. This is exciting. I still can't believe we're talking philosophy regarding a movie called The Lego Movie, but (laughs) I guess that just goes to show that philosophy is all around us. So, Confucianism has been the reigning philosophy and culture in China for thousands of years, so you know it holds up. But what differentiates this philosophy from Taoism is its concentration on a more external rather than internal harmony. So Confucianism is more concerned with its environment? Kind of. It's more concerned with duty and having everyone contribute to a greater societal whole. Both philosophies like to spit out paradoxical quotes to show off their wisdom, but Confucianism is more concerned with how you should interact with the world around you. Here, uh, read these quotes to see if you can drive the point home with them. Hmm. Alrighty, let me take a look-see. <clears throat> The man who says he can and the man who says he can't are both correct. Heh, nice, that's clever. The man who asks a question is a fool for a minute. The man who does not ask a question is a fool for a lifetime. (laughs) Hmm? Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I slept and dreamt life is beauty. I woke and found life is duty. Oh, oh, snap. No, no, that's no fun. I don't like that one. (laughs) So Confucianism actually branches over quite nicely to my old buddy Hobbes and his concept of the Leviathan, or better yet, Plato and the idea of the philosopher king. Confucius believes in a noble leader who follows values, similar to his own of course, whose very existence at the top of the royalty food chain would inspire others to live similarly productive and noble lives, and thus everyone in the empire benefits. Bippity-boppity-boo, you just got yourself a perfectly functioning society. (laughs) But as you can see from that last quote, a perfectly functioning society isn't always the most, you know, fun or free society. Point made. Philosophers always think in a king who follows their philosophy would be the best king ever. Pretty egocentric, huh? Hey, no one is famous for being the most humble, so if you know better, make sure the rest of the world knows too. We could not be more different sometimes. Uh, So Confucianism is just 
be obedient and follow orders? That that sounds not awesome. That's that's I would say that's a oversimplification. There's more of an emphasis on personal ethical conduct in Confucianism than Taoists tend to concern themselves with. Taoists seem to suggest that living in harmony with yourself and nature is good, while Confucians suggest that you create that harmony through doing your duty, and that is good. Hmm. And it's that conflict we see play out at the end of the Lego movie. Oh, right. The kid wants to play with his dad's Legos. But his Will Ferrell dad is all, nope, I've constructed a bunch of perfectly tidy and isolated worlds, and I don't need you ruining that. And the kid's whole argument is that just because the worlds he is creating do not fit the predefined structure, that that does not make them without their own beauty and creativity. Exactly, my dear Wholesome. The dad, as this philosopher king, has created a beautiful society where everyone is quite literally glued into their roles. Hmm. And this has made these societies gorgeous, as well as logically and internally consistent. But it's also robbed them of additional creativity and good ideas that might otherwise present themselves. So this kid saves the day by convincing his dad that he can actually have fun with the Legos, and they create awesome structures and vehicles and even stories, and everything is better. The end, I was a better case closed. Hey, man, don't make me defend corporate synergy. You know how not punk rock that is. <laughs> as much as this kid argues that his dad is stifling his creativity, the dad's creations are also the reason this kid had as much freedom as he did to play around. This kid was able to have his characters and creations explore multiple different worlds, but only because his dad had created those perfectly structured and consistent worlds to begin with. It may seem like no fun, but it took a lot of no fun to make room for the fun this kid and the dad are later having. Or if you zoom out a bit, they can have fun with Legos because they're in a nice home with a solid foundation that's built according to structural code, which is perhaps a little less fun to create. Or construct. Wow. No, yeah, that's a great tie-in. That's pff, fair enough. Good point. <laughs> the movie definitely paints the dad as the bad guy, so it takes a side here. The kid even says at the end, you don't have to be the bad guy when talking to his dad. But maybe it's kind of inadvertently combining both philosophies. Can that work? There was a period at some point in China's impressively long history, more than a thousand years after Taoism, um, after like Taoism, Confucianism, and all those ancient philosophies came up, when some Confucian scholars and political advisors got fed up with their positions and decided to live a Taoist lifestyle instead. Oh, like the OG hippies fighting against the corporate lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Uh, but they ended up incorporating elements of both philosophies, with some even going on to incorporate elements of Buddhism later on. Makes sense, since these are the three religions slash philosophies that are most prevalent in East Asia. Dang, laying it down with history and facts. Look at you go. <laughs> Seeing as I don't know in-depth Chinese history... I'll shift this in a different direction. The movie has a huge anti-conformity message, too, with posters in the background that are so blatantly conformist that it's clearly ridicule, and who could forget the song that ruled the airwaves for what felt like two years? The Everything is Awesome song? Was that a real song outside the movie? Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Oh, then I can't yeah, no, stop helping. yourself, man. We have a show to do. No, no, snap out of it. Snap yeah. out of it. Of course, of course, of course. <clears throat> you're right. You're right. I can do this. 
I can do this. So that song also seems to be mocking conformity at the beginning of the movie by being the song that is all anyone listens to. However, by the end of the movie, we learn that maybe we're a little too quick to judge that song. In the extended version of the song heard in the credits, the verses paint a different picture. Yeah, when the Lonely Island jumps in for their rap. Wait, Lonely Island is in this? The I'm on a boat and the I just had sex guys? Yep, yeah, they did the verses and the band Tegan and Sarah did the main part of the song. What a wild, weird movie. (laughs) The rap part of the song goes, lost my job, that's a new opportunity, more free time for my awesome community. A little later, a similar sentiment, stepped in mud, got some new brown shoes, it's awesome to win and it's awesome to lose. See, look at, oh man, that's perfect. That's nearly word for word a Taoist quote. One gains by losing and loses by gaining. Still sounds like old world, new age mambo jambo to me, though. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it is a little cat postery, but still, sometimes you learn valuable lessons in loss or getting what you want ends up being bad for you. Speaking of cat posters, one of the quotes in the movie is from Vitruvius after President Business beheads him with a penny. He comes back as a ghost and tells Emmett that there was never a prophecy and that he simply needs to believe in himself. And, specifically, that he knows it sounds like a cat poster. When Emmett is in the real world, he even sees the word believe on a cat poster. Bam, this movie is even self-aware of its own ridiculous philosophy. I guess that makes it better. There's uh, another interesting avenue we can take with this film, besides just a battle between Taoism and Confucianism. There's There's a good argument here for a little bit of political philosophy in terms of isolationism versus globalism. Excuse me, what? <laughs> this is a children's film. I really don't think they were angling for anything like that. It, political stances are a daring move when an entire family is stuck next to each other on a bunch of chairs. I mean, frequently, yes. But in this instance, the movie takes a pretty firm stance. Seeing as we're focusing on this movie's relevance to Eastern philosophy, I don't want to take too much time with this detour, but put this in your pipe and smoke it. I don't smoke. It's bad for your lungs. All right, fine. We get it. Goody two shoes. Where does that phrase even come from? If you're a bad kid, did you only get one shoe? Or did you have three because you stole one? Wholesome. What would you even do with the third shoe? Wholesome. Would you wear it like a hat? <laughs> Wait, what? Right, focus. Sorry. <clears throat> Wait, I'm no, in. I'm distracted now. But okay, okay. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so for starters... Oh, globalism. Yes. Okay. For starters, globalism is the idea of an interconnected world. So sovereign nations unite for joint economic and foreign policy planning on a, on a global scale, hence the name. Even though individual countries maintain their independence, there's more to gain by opening up foreign trade and lowering restrictions on one another. So things like international travel and business is easier. Think the the World Trade Organization, the UN, or the EU. Conversely, that's how you get things like Brexit. And that's exactly the isolationist position. Isolationism says too much openness takes away from a country's sovereignty and lowers their ability to be independent. It lowers your defenses and leads you to become more vulnerable to foreign attacks. That could be economic attacks, like with trade deficits or artificial devaluation of currency, or it could be actual attacks like terrorism from hostile nations' people already comfortably in your country. Oh, wow, gotcha. Uh, So in a way, it 
kind of even stems back to our Freedom versus Security show we did just a few episodes ago. Yeah, that's a good comparison, yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing this movie has a more globalist messaging. There's a part where Wildstyle explains in the backstory. Check this out. Okay. All the people of the universe were once free to travel and mingle and build whatever they wanted. But President Business was confused by all the chaos. So he erected walls between the worlds and became obsessed with order and perfection. And he stole a mysterious secret super weapon called the Crackle. And he hired Bad Cop to hunt down all the master builders who were always changing everything. That is so ridiculously on point, but framed in such a kid-friendly way. I can totally see why families wouldn't even pick up on it. Look at you being so clever, you clever writers, you. Right? And the movie doesn't go into too much nuance here, so I don't want to spend too much time on this topic. But suffice it to say, there's more to this kid's movie than you'd think at first glance. That checks out. It was written by the guys who wrote Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and that film won an Oscar and is overall brilliant, so it all checks out. Hey, for our next movie, do you think we can... Everybody gets one. Maybe we'll consider (laughs) it later. For now, back to Taoism. What else of value does this movie have to say? Ooh, ooh, me, me. Uh, yes, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so check this out. I've got this book of Taoism quotes, and this factoid is canonical because I said so in our In Between Seasons musical episode. I mentioned this book. But (laughs) a specific idea pops up in many forms and can be filtered down to this. A bowl is most useful when it is empty. An uncultivated mind is free to explore infinite possibilities. Uh, I mean, kind of? Oh, come on. Be, be wise. Be spiritual. Hey, wise? Sure. But never spiritual. You don't control me. <laughs> what does this have to do with Lego Movie? The whole superpower of our main character is basically just that. He has an empty mind. Literally nothing in there except a double-decker couch, apparently. This gives him virtually limitless potential. Tying it back to martial arts from earlier, it's kind of like having a white belt. Sure, you don't know anything yet, but you also haven't taught yourself to do anything improperly yet either. You're a blank slate, and having that kind of potential is pretty cool. I mean, does that factor into the film in any kind of meaningful way? I don't remember Emmett learning a lot of things at any point. In fact, he seems pretty empty-headed most of the film. Well, it's his empty-headedness at the end of the film that allows him to hold a last stand using the piece of resistance. He suddenly becomes aware of all the possibilities of everything around him, but you're right, that does seem more superpower-infused than due to any actual learning on his part. This movie was much more intent on messaging that Emmett's complete lack of talent and specialties was precisely what made him special. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like uh, like when they escaped from present business because they hid in the double-decker couch and it was just such a stupid idea by him that it, it just completely slipped past the attacker's radar. And this movie is comedy gold. Oh, president business. That reminds me, who, who was the punk rock Taoism guy you mentioned earlier? Oh, yeah, thanks for the reminder. That's Chong Su. And while this kid in this film chooses to unite with his dad, Chong Su would say that uh, that's uncool and conformist, you poser. <laughs> I feel that. So he's got problems with authority then. Let's just say that while Lao Tzu held political office for a time, Chong Su thought that bureaucracies only got in the way of living life and were antithetical to the balance of nature that Taoism sought. He even took scholarly pursuits to be a waste of time. 
In a famous Chongzhu story, he was approached by two government officials who wanted him for some high-level position. And he told them the parable of a tortoise shell that had been kept on the altar of a dynasty's emperors for nearly 3,000 years. Do you think the tortoise would rather be dead and honored, or alive and wagging its tail? He asked. Alive, of course, answers the recruiters. Exactly, responds Chong Su. So leave me here to wag my tail in the mud. <laughs> Bam. Take that, governmental bodies. Getting Diogenes vibes from this guy. I dig it. Hmm. It's funny how often these philosophers and philosophies can align across cultures at around the same time. Yeah, I actually hadn't realized that time thing until my research for this episode. And yeah, it shows just how much they do align. So what I'm not seeing in my readings of Taoism is a strong connection for Emmett's assertion that everyone is special. That seems like the crux of the movie, so I'd figured the themes would be a little more direct if this is really a Taoist film. Uh, that's because everybody's not special and that gets stupid. <laughs> but uh, as much as I'd like to say that there isn't and <laughs> make you feel bad about doing this episode, uh, there may, just maybe, be a connection that we can teach He's out, maybe, perhaps, a little bit. <laughs> You're so kind. So Taoism seems to be about being comfortable in your own skin, with your own purpose, and therefore being in harmony with your own environment. It could be said, then, that everyone has something to contribute, and thus, everyone is special? Oh, man. Now I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> That felt so good. I regret it already. <laughs> and we didn't even hit on yin and yang in today's episode. Yeah, that's uh, there's always more ground to cover. And it's kind of funny because that's probably the most typically associated with Taoism. But yeah, weirdly enough, that was the least applicable aspect of Taoism for this episode. Hmm. You want the deets on that, listeners? Give a listen to our Winnie the Pooh episode from last season. Well, what are we going to be doing with the first episode of the new year? Hmm, maybe something on happiness. Little Miss Sunshine? Ooh, or maybe memory with eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Man, that's a good one, but I seem to have sunshine on the brain. Sad. Hey, it's quite the accusation. Oh, I meant seasonal affective disorder. But don't you worry, buddy. I send you a Christmas present, and once it gets there, you're going to cheer right on up. Oh, thanks, pal. Well... Let's give a toast to 2020 and say, thank you, be gone. Hello, 2021. Wholesome and heathen do not endorse shaming scholarly pursuits, but we endorse playing in the mud. Live in harmony with it, you filthy animal. Also, I'm very surprised Wholesome didn't make a single duty joke, but rest easy, he assures me that he won't make that mistake again.